real quick before we start, can I? Um, yeah. I just want to blow my nose real quick, okay? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, yo, I'll be back in like two seconds. I just wanted to make yeah. sure I clicked on your thing on time and everything. I wasn't sure yeah. if it, start, it didn't start recording, right? Welcome to the underground. Turn me up, bitch! My Little Underground with Peter A. It's My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Make sure you're subscribed on all podcast platforms and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at MLUPod. And today's guest is a returning one and one of the first guests on My Little Underground. In fact, the very first guest on, on the show. And that is Astronauto, who is known by John Velser to the regular humans on planet Earth. And the reason why I pulled the curtain back on Astronauto and reveal the artist's true name is because John Velser is a very multifaceted artist. Astronauto is just one of the many things that he does. And he has his band Medicine Fish, he's been playing with for almost a decade now. And they have a new album, Habitat, which we'll talk about. He's also one half of 3BC with Matt Beto of Rucksack, and we'll dive into all of these projects. And the one thing I find very interesting about uh, John Velser is that when he writes certain songs, they don't actually find themselves onto any one of his projects for years, years to come. The reason why I say this is because he'll play some of these songs live, and they'll never wind up on any album until a few years down the line. And the one thing I noticed is that some of these songs are some of my favorite songs that he's ever done. And we're just kind of, we're going to dive into a lot of these hidden gems, so to speak. And, you know, the last time I talked to Astronauto, he was in a documentary that Tommy Cavanaugh directed. And if you want to learn all about that one, just go back and listen to uh, level 19 of My Little Underground. And we talked all about the incredible documentary of Astronauto. It just shows you how um, interesting this artist is and how people from different states connect to his music. And and now two years later almost, he's got a new album with Medicine Fish and hopefully some new Astronauto albums down the pipeline. So now let's talk to Mr. John Velser on My Little Underground. Me, 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 do re mi fa so, motherfucker. I'm, I'm ready for this shit, man. Just off the bat, you know, there's... Uh, the big elephant in the room, uh, at least when I talk to certain artists, is you know how has uh, the, the coronavirus ende- endemic, pand- endemic, pandemic affected you as as an artist? Uh, well, it's given me a lot of time to practice, <laughs> uh, and it made me uh, practice a lot more acoustic guitar. You know, I already play a lot of co- of acoustic guitar, but uh, I've been playing nothing but acoustic guitar. Um, and just now, right before you called, I was practicing, I, I was learning a new song. And so I've been working more on like finger picking more specifically, you know? Um, so, so right there, technically it's like, um, you know, it's done that. And I've been live casting a lot as most people who play music and even do art have. And, uh, it's, it's really open. Like we would live cast stuff beforehand anyway, but now it's like, it's really proven its value. It's really amazing how in touch we could feel still while i i don't even feel like it's been a month since i've seen anybody because like we do these live casts and we're watching them together we're texting and of course it is different obviously um but it is kind of cool it has a bit of a creative excitement you know not to undermine all the awful things going on right now or anything like that um 
but it's been it's been something I, I hope going forward people uh, appreciate the arts a little more you know than they do now in our country at the least um, because everyone's turned to the arts if you count you know acting which you should everything is art man you know you anything you watch on Netflix no matter how crummy it is like it's people doing their craft you know and so uh, you know hopefully music and art and performance of any kind like uh, is is seen and treated a little more nicely <laughs> uh, so so off the bat that and it's given me a lot of time to think and a lot of frustration and feelings that uh, that will go into lyrics in the future and stuff I haven't been writing right now I've been working on some things but uh, we're just having fun learning songs and, and preparing for these pod uh, live casts that I've been doing pretty frequently. And you know, what's also interesting, like the music industry is trying to like scramble to see how, you know, it can, it's artists can, can make money at this time because of touring. You can't tour and all this stuff. Um, a lot of labels are saying, yeah, you just hit up our band camp and buy this record. But like the industry side of things is like kind of, you know, in flux or in limbo, so to speak. I mean, it's going to be fine, but it's like it's trying to find ways to make money during this time. But like just the artist from an art standpoint, you know, you have a point like this is like your time to shine. This is the time to be creative because where else are you going to go? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And also like with the music industry, who talks about the music industry in a positive light? It's been the bane of every musician's existence. You know, every famous band, you read their bio and it's like, they got big. It was exciting. And then their fight with the record company to get artistic independence, you know, and, and then it's like half the fans turn on them because half the fans are just the public that aren't real music appreciators and listeners. They're people on the radio and Hey, you changed what's on my radio. What the hell, you know? Um, so, you know, that's a good thing. We're be we've been becoming more and more autonomous as artists and musicians. And the, you know, the old way has been dead for a long time now. It's, it's talked about in every interview you know how musicians now can do their own thing you know and it's so much easier i could put my <clears throat> excuse me i could put my record on Bandcamp, not even pay if i don't want to to put it on anything else i could put it on free platforms and still have it come up first when people google my band name or my name you know and so uh this might be like the final stab like with like the silver <laughs> with the silver like pick you know to the dracula's heart you know killing like the last of the music industry quote unquote you know who's a part of the music industry that is doing anything worthwhile right every you know anything interesting is independent at this point you know so uh so you know that might be a, a blessing in disguise that might be a good thing you know uh there shouldn't be music business hopefully that's looked at as a period in time that you know, in, in the grand history of things. Hopefully that's, it's not always going to be the way it is with record companies and selling out to get big. And blah, blah, blah. It's, it's already not like that anymore. And hopefully, you know, people keep saying how the world will be permanently different after this. It's not just going to go back to being the same. Hopefully that will be one of the things that's different, you know, less people in suits, in, unless that's their style, you know, <laughs> you know, less suits, you know, uh, involved in the music and artistic just process at all, you know, that might be cool. <laughs> and you know, it's funny, like artists are the majority, you know, you outweigh the suits. So the only thing 100%. they have is the money. And the one thing that these suits make sexy is the the, the fame. And a lot of artists, they, they, they like that stuff. And, and that's okay if that's who you are. 
but yeah, you guys are in control now. The artists are in control. Like you, you control. Think about it again. We can't go anywhere. So all we have is your output, whatever you give us. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, what, exactly. That really matters. And I like what you said. You, um, it's like you don't feel like you haven't seen anybody in a month or two. Like this time and this quarantine time. Like, have you found it easier? Or just kind of just. It's not even like anything has happened as far as like communicating with people. Is it easier for you to communicate with other artists? or just anyone in general? It's, um, you know, I, I've been saying, that's been like my tagline when I've been talking to my students or uh, people that have been calling me just to say hi. It's like, thank goodness it's in this day and age that this thing, if it had to happen, um, even 10 years earlier, like even five years earlier probably, um, you know, we wouldn't have been able to stay in touch. And I, I give, all my money comes from, you know, um, music lessons giving music lessons outside of gigging and art you know and stuff and selling cds uh and i'm able to continue about three quarters of my students have continued lessons through skyping um so thank goodness i'm able to like have any i wouldn't have any income at all if this happened in a time where i couldn't figure out skype on my computer you know or uh and that it was, and that internet connections are so strong, you know, even though it's been around for a while, even that kind of stuff. Now it's like so much more stable of a connection and all that. And so, and we're doing this interview right now, you know? So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like, at least it's got that nice timing. It's still difficult. You know, it's, it's nice to talk to people on the phone a little bit. That was like a dead art form for a while. Uh, and people have been calling on the phone, you know, and that's, that's nice just to say hi, you know, that hasn't happened since I was in like high school i feel like <laughs> so uh so it's been you know we're making the bet it's like an anti-holiday it feels like it's like some sort of <clears throat> seasonal part of the year like there's like a seasonal greetings you know hope you're healthy hope you're staying safe you know and uh you know and there's something you know just like when it's christmas time or and t hanukkah and everything like uh it's it you know you talk about your holiday shopping and all that stuff where here we're all talking about or quarantine, you know? So it's like, it's weird. It's like almost, I don't, I don't want to like say it's fun cause it's not, but it's, you know, it's almost like a, a festivity without anything, without a joyous reason, you know, like <laughs> an observance of like a dark holiday or something. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's weird, you know, obviously it's been weird for everybody, but, uh, that, that's a good way to look at it. Like it's it's a holiday you don't have, with no responsibilities. You don't have to shop for anybody. You can just <laughs> talk to people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's been difficult, you know, for all the fun. You know, we're we're making the best of it. Um. So yeah. <laughs> I damn sure I damn sure am making the best of this. Doing freaking podcasts every other week. You know. That's now great. I, I'm I'm a lot more motivated now to do to do stuff. You know, before I had to commute somewhere. And you just kind of drained at the end of the week and you don't really feel like doing anything. Now I'm just home. So now I have the yeah. opportunity to create stuff and I'm sure, you know, you're, you feel the same way. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, it would be pure fun. The only thing that sucks for me is I, I really miss my daughter Penelope. I haven't seen her in like about two and a half, three weeks now. Uh, so if it wasn't for that, I would be fully enjoying it and like enjoying watching the collapse of Western society, you know, just like we were, you know, why not, man? Who cares? You know, I don't, uh, you know, everyone acts like, you know, the economy, blah, 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 
first of all, it's hard to give a shit when like most people in the world are doing better than you are financially and hearing them complain about houses and shit when you're like living in a basement alone, you don't really care that much, you know? And, and it's like, shame on all of you, man. You're all flipping out because you can't get exactly what you want for dinner and your Amazon order right like the next day after you order it. Like, so what? Like I've been, I've been acting like it's an, a camping trip. I've been like <clears throat> eating peanut butter and jelly and grilled cheese and like trying to save my food so I don't have to go into the supermarket. Everyone's complaining and about going to the supermarket every other day. It's like, I've been in the supermarket, the, the, the first I knew about this once like that one day that was a Friday or whatever, that Thursday night, I was like, why is there no shopping carts? And I went in and like, holy crap. Like I didn't realize. And I was actually out of toilet paper. So it was like, actually I didn't, before I knew about all this, like every idiot in the world buying the toilet paper, for some reason, <laughs> you know, um, thank goodness. I went, man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and I went once again like two weeks ago, and I've been still, you know, I spent like 150 bucks and I've just been living off it. So, like, shame on people, man. This should be teaching you a lesson for, you know, you could really simplify and you could be doing so much better for yourself and the earth. And, you know, all the things people do, like the ex, extra, you know, things, uh, you know, TVs and cars and all that stuff, you know, it's like it, it, people are always so tired. They're complaining about paying all the bills for all those things. It's like, Hopefully people have time to think about how ridiculous that all is and, you know, maybe see someone like me, you know, save for missing my daughter, which really sucks. Um, you know, maybe maybe they'll look at what we're doing. The artists are all like, woohoo, this is like our time, you know? So maybe they'll look at what we're doing and realize like, hey, maybe there's something more to it than uh, showing off to the neighbors, you know? So, you know, again, yeah, ho I mean hopefully some good comes out of it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I wish like the hope is that people are just be more grateful for the for the little things. And me, you know, as a single young man, I'm I'm privileged to just you know have to worry about me. And I, the only thing I really miss is like going out to a diner. You know, dude, that's Everything in my top like, three. That's in my top three. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I miss Penelope first of all. I miss the band second of all, and. Uh, diner food right away yeah i was i was actually the other day i was trying to think of the top five and uh those i was like those are the top three immediately i'm not sure what the other other two would be you know i enjoy driving but i could you could still drive so i don't really yeah miss, yeah i don't really miss that uh yeah you know i you know i we would got say, video games you got video games yeah exactly and and you know i would say i, I think it obviously fourth is friends but i think friends count as the band my whole social life lives and dies with the band you know uh, and it's family. all tied into your art anyway. All yeah. the guys you hang out with are people that either go to your shows or in your projects, you know? Exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, I, I do miss seeing people. And, and you know, going out, I'm, you know, I'm getting older, man. I, I don't know. It's it's fun, but it's also, like, you know, kind of kind of like getting exhausting to go out so often. So, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, know. like, I don't go to the club that often, so I'm usually – I mean, I work yeah. out or go out, you know, little social things. But a lot of times I'm, you know, I'm, I'm home because, again, we all need to just I think this is great because I always say this and some friends that I talk to agree, like everybody needs their time to, for themselves just to the, just to think, just to not do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I we, we all need that Yeah. And I've been uh, and that's the thing, like, you know, um, with the new order of the way things are, you know, you also have to be conscious of um spending your time too much on the phone you know you end up 
checking things and doing things. And all of a sudden, I'm like, shit, two hours have gone. Like, I've never been on the phone this much. And I still have hours of free time. And, like, I'm still thankful for it because this is the time to veg on your phone, you know? Like, there's not, I'm not going to be preachy about, like, being on social media too much because it's our lifeline now, you know? And it's how we are staying in touch. Uh, so it's not a bad thing, but I also uh, like the last, this, this last week, it's been like, all right, I got to like put my phone down and si- and not just put it down, but silence it, you know? And like, really, I realized I wasn't painting for like a few days, you know, and I wasn't practicing as much. And I was like, I could be using this time so much, you know, it's not, not cutting off from it, but limiting it, you know? So not to, you know, sound like Dr. Phil type, you know, shit. I don't really care what people are doing on their phones, you know? They could be oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it, it just makes you think about, like, the little things, like, because that's all I do. All I do are the little things, you know, going to diners, going to concerts, you know, as a wrestling fan, going to wrestling shows. Like, those are the three things that are like, damn, I wish I could do that now. But other than that, I- I'm cool, man. Uh, yeah, good. yeah, man. You know, and that, it, again, it's uh, keep it, uh, uh, and you know, um, a lesson to keep it simple. You know, and and I've been, I've been enjoying that the unwind time. You know, of course, I miss going for walks in the park. You know, <laughs> you can still and, you know, do that, and I do miss playing that. shows. You know, I'm although I'm also. Um, I still have that satisfied with the live streams a lot more than I thought I would. I really miss playing with the band, you know, and uh, and the concerts, you know, again, along with getting older, you know, I, I, I actually just saw some pictures from 10 years ago of my old band that, that a friend just found. And, um, and it made me the realize, red, yeah, 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 it was the picture of the red lights. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't down on myself, but I was like, it's it's like exactly the same, you know, it's like about a dozen people showing up to you know sometimes more a lot more but you know that's just when you're lucky and it's a crowded night at the bar and and so it's like it's getting more and more of a pain in the ass to gig and deal with promoters and this and that and like i want to get in my heart like if i had it my way i'd be gigging every weekend more than every weekend and come up with crazy ridiculous set ideas but the reality of like playing night after night and these shitty you know if you if you really boil it down if i'm spending that many nights of my life in a bar whether i'm drinking or not even um you know, it, it's it's like, all right, I really have better things to do with my time, you know? And so if we could even make gigging more productive through this, maybe somehow start to coordinate events more, you know, outside of bars and stuff like that, that would be a cool advancement of society. But uh, I forgot we originally talked about it. I'm just riffing on the conversation, man. <laughs> and that's all this yeah. is. That's all yeah. this is. Yeah. So um, the new Medicine Fish album is out, Habitat. Yeah, um, I guess yes. you know. The, to first, um, the first thing is like, did this album have like a? Well, I don't think it did. You can probably tell me. This didn't have any kind of traditional studio recordings. You guys didn't go into a, a proper studio, for lack of a better term. Lack of a better term. Uh, no, we recorded it in um, first Nick and Faith of Rucksack's house in Pennsylvania. And then we recorded the rest of it at our rehearsal space, the barn, which is Ryan's garage here in, in New York. You know, um, an incredible garage. It's not an ordinary garage. No, it's not an ordinary garage at all. It looks like a barn. That's why we call it the barn. And it's got it, you walk in, it looks like a regular garage tool shed, but it's got a second floor loft. You walk up, and it's the coolest room ever with paint on the walls and uh, and you know every instrument and the PA system and everything, you know, it's a full on rehearsal. It's the best equipped rehearsal studio I've ever had. 
like in any band I've ever been in, you know? So, uh, it's, it's a real safe haven. Thank God for it, man. Uh, what would we be without the barn? It's, we can't even think about it. We can't even talk about it because we wouldn't be without the barn. You know, I wouldn't. I know. Just caveman eating mud. That's it. Caveman eating mud, man. Yeah, you know, it's like a it's like a caveman's chis- uh, chisel collection. You know, it's like can't survive in the wild without a chisel collection. You know. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So, so yeah, we recorded the album. But that being said, Nick and Faith's house was very well equipped. Uh, like more equipped than anyone else's DIY studio would be. You know, full on the mixing board and whatever pro tools, blah, blah, blah. As many, you know, we combined forces, Julian and Nick had all the microphones, you know, we had a separate room that we played. They built like an isolation booth that they like cut windows out of for Ryan to be in. You know, we recorded most of the record, like pretty live, you know, uh, as in we played, we like, we played the songs through. Then we went back and we recorded, uh, uh, the vocals again. And, uh, and we did like, you know, extra guitar solos and, and, and some keyboard, like a bit of keyboards on like two or three songs. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, it was really, really fun. It was really nice. So, <laughs> so, uh, Nick, Nick Beater produced this, this album this time around, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the legend himself. So, yeah. I know he did pretty much all of the astronaut albums as well. Like what was different about working with Nick this time around that, uh, is there any, you know, any other ideas you guys came up with that he's never, you guys never like touched on when doing Astronauto? Yeah. Well, um, it was very different from how we recorded Astronauto because we didn't really ever worry about a drum set. Even when we did, we only had to mic up like parts of it and stuff and, uh, everything's so layered, you know? Um, and this was kind of the opposite. It was as live as possible, um, without it being fully live, you know? And, uh, yeah, so it, it all every time Nick and I work together, which is let me see three Astronauto albums, the the Golden Egg Astronauto thing too, uh, Henry uh, by by Medicine Fish, and then we got this one. So I'm pretty sure this is Nick and I's sixth record making together. Um, and I've I've like collaborated on I've like played it on like a track or two of Rucksack albums, but I wouldn't count that because I just like plopped into it. Um, and each time it just feels like a continuation. We just both are getting better at what we do, you know, um, not to say one record's better than the other or anything, but like, I feel like this one was like the best recorded one. He just, in no uncertain terms, he was, he was all excited about the new things he'd learned. He'd been telling us, Oh, I figured out this and that. And I got this new, this or that. And he he had talked to Julian and Julian has taken some recording classes and, and uh, may have a degree in it, I think at this point. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, he brought in extra microphones, so we had extra equipment uh, right away was, like, a huge advancement, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and, you know, they just had more decked out their studio, you know. They had just been there longer. So, so yeah, it was it, – it feels like a continuous stream of, like, what we did before, but at the same time, like, we – do it more efficiently each time, you know, uh, <laughs> we're hopefully we spend all this time doing it. We're hopefully getting a little better at it each time, you know, and hopefully the songwriting stays good or as good or a little better than last time or whatever to keep up with our advancements, you know, <laughs> did you feel challenged in any way during the recording of this album? Yeah. You know, uh, 
you know, on, on any different number of levels. Uh, <laughs> the easiest part was making the music, like the music you hear as it's played on the record. There was nothing that we like had a headache over and nothing that we were like up all night trying to do. We were up all night because we were having fun doing it, you know, and we kept doing, we, we did the whole thing. We did all the live tracks of the band playing in a weekend, um, pretty much like a Saturday and then a bit on a Sunday. And then we did all the overdubs in like another like three days, you know, all together uh, a few months later. And, uh, you know, throughout that, though, I, I like when we started recording, I dealt with a lot of bullcrap from the record. <laughs> just life just came crashing down for a while. And so it was painful to have to go and like put on a happy fit and for, for a change. We we're ch- trying to make a record that's a little happier. You know, my songs were a little more, I don't want to say lighthearted, but not as necessarily dark. Like after Astronaut 3, people were like asking me if I was okay and stuff. Uh, and I feel like these are a little more level-headed. You could put them on at a party and not bring the place down or make everyone be quiet, you know, to listen to what the fuck's going on. Uh, you know, so it was a funny opposite in, in real life. Like starting off the first few sessions, I had a really bad full body rash of poison ivy that ended up getting infected and, and <laughs> like I started getting it on my way over to Nick and Fates. And uh, so, so I was in a lot of physical pain, although like I was able to brush it off and still have a lot of fun and kept telling myself, like, I won't remember the pain in the memory. So try my best to have fun. And I do remember them fondly because of that, um, you know, and then, and then my living situation changed a few times in between and uh, the overdub sessions were delayed and delayed and delayed again. Um, and, and, you know, so it was a real mess of just trying to get together and we really wanted it to be done by the end of the year. I'm really big on like capturing the moment when you're recording. It's not just about making it sound good and, you know, making a document of your songs. I learned a while ago that it's like, there has to be something special about the process to really make it a good like record that's going to withstand the test of time. You know, anyone could be diligent in how they record it and make it sound great and clear guitar tones and even like songwriting you know you can be real on with your songwriting and write cool melodies but you know i've noticed the albums that i had more fun making are the ones that uh people still talk about and still listen to and have more plays on soundcloud and this and that so uh so you know i i wanted to finish it in a certain amount of time as we all did and uh so it, it became a real headache trying to get together and we recorded it like kind of on the fly the, the last few sessions. Worth it though. You know, once we buckled down and got to it, it was pure fun, the process itself. So it was a weird, not to get to a literal uh, juxtaposition of elements, you know, real opposite of like the rest of the world at that point in time in, in my life. And maybe the other guys too, I think a little bit, but you know, maybe if not just for my situation, <laughs> rubbing off on their lives, you know. So, <laughs> so throughout all the all the physical and emotional challenges that you've you've been through since the the start of the recording of this album, did you kind of meet your expectations on on an album release date or anything else that went into you as an artist and the making of this project? Yeah, yeah, we uh, we actually uh, like Medicine Fish usually does. We uh. You know, we pulled through with flying colors at the last minute. You know, it's just like when I would choose to do schoolwork. Uh, in order to get the paper done, I would have to do it at night, the night before it was due, just to get that much of a focus on it, you know? 
and it's and you know even when we're not doing that on purpose that's just the way things are for me in my life you know so uh so we didn't really meet like a super super crazy deadline but we really did want to have it out by the spring and we did get it out by april 4th uh and we would have had a great record we did have a good record release party plans every everything was ideal and set and ready to go and it would have all worked off without the uh corona stuff but that didn't stop the album for we still released it and i feel like maybe more people listened to it because everyone was inside and we were definitely getting more plays on soundcloud and and youtube and stuff than usual uh you know in those weeks so so it was like a trade-off and, and we're, we'll still do the party when we can you know so we're not too too upset about it we were a little bit but we made the best out of it we had a fun live cast in honor of it that day and uh so so yeah um but, you know, we did feel pressure at that point to get it done. And if we didn't put the pressure on ourselves to get it done, it wouldn't have gotten done, you know. And uh, we joke a lot like any band – we're all big music nerds. And any band's history you read, like you hear about the pressures from the recording company after their success and all that. Uh, and we, we, we joke around. We feel that same pressure – but from the opposite, not of being so successful, but being so unsuccessful <laughs> that you really feel like you really have to be your best and be on your A game. And it, you have to take it 100 percent like seriously if you're, you know, um, hoping anyone else is going to at all take interest at all or take it seriously at all. So it's like um, you put a tremendous amount of self pressure on yourself where maybe if you were successful, the record company would give you that pressure. You feel like well, within a year, people fizzled out talking about the last thing I did. I really have to come up with something and it's got to be better because I, I have to progress because, you know, I'm still playing, like I said, the same amount of people for 10 years, you know. So you you do end up or I put a tremendous amount of stress on myself and I really have to try to remind myself sometimes to still have fun doing it. And, uh, and I do still have fun doing it, you know, again, just even when I'm like super strung out on like anxiety of over – a show or a recording um or getting something done in time it it works out and i or every time i really wish i didn't panic as much because every time it, it winds up getting done i also wonder if it gets done because i panic so much but i really think uh i've been learning to take it easier and uh and it's and it's still been getting done so so yeah we felt pressure but we tried to not feel as much pressure this time and i guess we didn't as much once it was once it was recorded we weren't worrying about mixing or releasing it in time yeah, I mean, I think that's great you you think that way because you just focused on the art. You know, everything else, like you said, you can always do an album release show whenever. But as long as the music is out into the public, that's it. And, and as long as the music meets your expectations, that's all That's all that matters, especially during this time. Yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. And it, it really exceeded my expectations. Uh, I always go in with a certain amount of it. it is what it is because uh, it's like, it's going to come out how it is. And we have to understand no matter how great and innovative we all are, we're not dealing with like a multi-thousand dollar or million or whatever the heck, like recording studio. Like we're in basements and garages and, and shit. And so like, um, it's kind of funny. I said heck and then I said shit, you know, <laughs> like what's the point of saying, <laughs> what's the point of saying heck if you're about to say shit, you know? Um, you know, so I, I, it's not like I have a defeatist attitude, but you know, I'm, I'm more like looking for the positives than the negatives. Like I'm, um, 
going in like being like yeah we're just gonna have fun and we're gonna have a snapshot of us having fun making music and this one definitely exceeded my expectations man like i feel like the make or break on a lot of independent releases and recordings are um the drums and the vocals sound and man the drums sound sick on this one and you know i still feel a little weird with the vocals because they're my vocals so i just feel weird listening to them uh, but you know julian and jimmy song on it you know that's a test marker and i thought they they both sounded like amazing and you know I, i'm i'm happy with how i came out too um you know so it really like very cool you know nick learned a lot uh you know julian pitched in jimmy pitched in with the mastering and stuff and like they were talking they all had numbers scribbled down on pieces of paper man they were, i felt like i was in a lab i i came up the one night uh when jimmy and nick were mixing it and i was very hands-off in fact i slept most of the time <laughs> and uh in the in the corner and they were dude they had numbers scribbled down on pieces of paper and we're talking decibel levels back and forth i really felt like i was like you know the guy, like like a third party standing in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon here and Han Solo and Chewie talk where like, you know, Han Solo can understand what Chewie's like, you know, and uh, and like I couldn't understand what they were saying, but, you know, I got the gist of it because I saw them do what they were doing and then it would sound better, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that's that's very important because you could just sit back and just kind of take in what they're doing. You might even learn a thing or two. Yes, true. Truth be told. So, uh, yeah, I, I did learn. I was kind of inspired by it. And, uh, you know, anything I learn, it makes me listen to things a little differently. You know, uh, you know, anything I learned about music, I mean, where it's just really cool to know, like, oh, these things can't be on the same decibel level or like register. Level. You know, what frequency, I guess, like if things are on this at the same frequency level, they'll clash and to make it sound a lot clearer and brighter, you want to put everything on its own frequency level. So that's what like a lot of the numbers Jimmy and Nick had scribbled down. So even though I like slept through a lot of the mechanics of it, um, you know, I still did learn a ton of it, <laughs> uh, stuff from it, you know, I didn't learn any of what they did. I mean, I mean, I learned like what goes into it just from watching them, you know? So over the last decade or so, you've had a lot of songs just stashed in the vault and you've started to debut them and play them live as as the years went on. But a lot of these songs never really ended up on different projects until like years later. And I'm going to go through a few of them that I think stand out, <laughs> cool. like Trains, for example. Yeah. I mean, I remember you playing this song live like five or six years ago. So how old really is Trains? And Trains. later on, it's the first song on the 2020 Medicine Fish album, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so cool that you know this stuff about it. Um, yeah, man. Trains, I guess, I finished writing in 2010. And the original idea was from 2005 or something. And then... Uh, I brought it up to a guy I was working with in 2007 in, in a band and uh, it became, and he wrote lyrics to it and it was a little different and it was called sun scorched train and it was pretty different. It had like, Oh, you know, the same chords and stuff. Um, and then I kind of remembered it in 2010 when I was like on a songwriting spree and I didn't remember any of how he sang it or anything, but I took my chords and I just like wrote a melody and, and new lyrics over it. And, you know, mentioned the word train in the end as like a nod to the original lyrics or whatever. But uh, 
yeah it, so so it was a long time coming that song it's been laying around for like a minute uh as you hear it though that and and the old version that i had with that guy uh we never like finished it and we never played it live or showed it to a band uh which is half the reason why i don't remember how it actually went like i didn't have it written down or anything i just kind of like took what i remembered from it uh but as you as you like hear it composed whatever uh 2010 is when i wrote it so a good 10 years ago yeah Crazy. And the yeah, <laughs> it's one of my favorite songs you've probably ever done. Love Thanks, it. man. Thank Great. you. I appreciate that. So the the closer of Habitat, rocking my homemade tie dye shirt, and this has been a live stable with you guys for for years now. Um, so when did like how did this song start? Like, what's the origin of this this other fox? <laughs> song? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. That's the other. Yeah, that's one of the other old ones on it. Uh, 2008 when i when i started the band uh, the red lights with my cousin david and my brother thomas joined like two weeks two and a half weeks in but uh the first day like it was just me and uh david and my friend robbie which you know robbie c um, oh man yeah, yeah um you know we went to the studio the rehearsal studio that me and robbie rented at the time i had a, like a dream that David and I were in a band called the red lights and I really, and I was having a hard time in the band I was in. So I wanted to like write all these stripped down songs and I just wanted to like not worry about needing people like bandmates. Cause people were bailing all the time and not making it. I was like, screw it. I'll just play me and David's always hanging out. So David will play drums. I'll play and sing and we won't even need a bass player. If Thomas doesn't want to do it, Thomas, my brother, you know? And, uh, who just called me right now as we're talking. Uh, I put up pictures of us. He, he doesn't like when I put pictures of him online. I hope he's not yelling at me to take them off because they were really nice pictures, you know. <laughs> Your brother's not on social media? No, he's not. And he, he's really hung up. He's he's a teacher. Uh, and he's like, you know, one time I put up a picture of us and he's like, take it down. He called me like immediately. His wife saw it online. And he's like, take it down. I'm not supposed to be on the internet. But I'm like, dude. <laughs> Like every one of my friends is a teacher. They just like, don't put your full name. That's, that's like basically what the rule is. And uh, no, no, take it down, take it down. And he got like pissy about it. So, uh, but you know, man, it's a, it's a part of our own personal music. I got history. friends who are teachers and they're all up on social yeah. media. So. Yeah. I, I feel kind of bad. I blocked his wife, uh, not, not blocked his wife. I mean, like I, I made it so all your friends except for his wife could see it online. So, uh, you know, I hope he doesn't find out. <laughs> <laughs> you know um now i forget what we were talking about oh yeah homemade tie-dye shirt yeah man um so anyway uh the red light started and we wrote all these songs like i woke up and i wrote like three or four songs and a lot of songs that we still play today uh it just stopped raining the base of everything you know homemade tie-dye shirt um you know a bunch of others that i can't remember right now but um um what was I going to say? So David and I, we, we were having these sessions like the next few days. We just got together. We were really excited about the idea. And we would get together, meet David and Robbie, and write these songs and record them. And we showed up. The one day, I, I my car was in the shop and my mom dropped me off. And uh, for some reason, I, I don't remember what happened. But uh, she dropped me off. I told her I wasn't worried about getting home, that my friends would be there. And, uh, and I just sat there like writing songs for a few hours. Then David came once he was like done with school or whatever. And... Uh, we both had t homemade tie-dye shirts on. So we had like this song that we wanted to be just like straightforward jamming open-ended so we could like jam, but as a two piece or three piece, you know? And, uh, and you know, you listen to the lyrics, they're like half just, you know, weird conceptual poetry, no exact 
story, just scenes from hanging out and things that happened at the time and funny things I was saying at the time and shit, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we both just showed up wearing homemade tie-dye shirts. So that's how that became the first line and the name of the song. And then the rest of it was just kind of rhyming and, you know, and then we were talking about the movie Powder. Robbie brought up the movie Powder. So that, that line, I feel like Powder and Are I'm ready you- to blow. Yeah, I never actually saw it, but uh, the line is like because Robbie was talking about the movie, and uh, you know, yeah, we were just kind of messing around, and 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 through the years, it's kind of evolved into like it's got like this intricate middle part that we like go batshit crazy on now, and uh, and we kind of like you know, it's just been like a lot. A lot of those songs. The reason why we have a lot of those old songs that end up on newer records, they're like half new songs, half old songs, is because like. David and Jimmy were like fans of like the red lights and the bands I had beforehand. And, and a lot of those songs didn't really get played too much because like I wrote them and then the band would flake out and we wouldn't be able to gig that much. And then we broke up and then we broke up for a long time and I didn't want to hear those songs and it upset me. And also, you know, like every artist, I felt like what I was doing at the time was better than what I did. So I didn't want to, I wasn't interested in going back and playing the old songs and, uh, and then through the years, I've started to feel nostalgic about him. And a lot of times, Jimmy and Julian will, like, bring it up. And I'll, like, play it and then play a part of it. And they'll, like, have already learned. Like, I've never taught them any of the old songs. We really play them because Julian and Jimmy want to play them. And then I don't want to be a pain in the ass to Ryan to show him how they go. So Ryan just plays them. Play, uh, and he asks them. And if there's something specific, we show him. But, uh you know, I, we, I let them like arrange their own parts and everything. And, uh, and they kind of evolved and became medicine fish songs. And I forget how old they are because a lot of them disappeared for like five or six years or 10 years and then have been coming back in the last couple of years. So, uh, it's like, it, it feels like that. I, I don't feel like I wrote them a lot of the time. I've in, you know, it almost feels like they're a cover song, but it, it more just feels like it's part of our DNA, you know? Uh, it is just so crazy that I've known people for that long that like know these songs and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, as much as like I wrote them, they are the ones who like preserved them and I probably would have forgotten about them if they didn't bring them up half the time. So, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, and then we mix them in, in medicine fish. We, you know, we like to play those songs. So once in a while we'll put them into the new records, you know, because they've changed so much and they, they're not on anything officially released at this point anymore. So, they, and they, they feel like new songs and they, you know, they don't feel like dated or anything. So, uh, so yeah, so we like to mix it up. <laughs> Do you think it's risky to, to put, you know, a 15 minute excursion of rocking my homemade tie dye shirt on an album? Because I know on like your live archives, there are, you know, 12, 13 minute versions of rocking my homemade tie dye shirt. I think it makes sense for you know when you're playing live in a live setting but you do you think that that works for like like an album to just throw in like a 15 16 minute song there do you think people would um do you think like they're they they would be able to retain that well it's risky if you have something to lose you know which we don't (laughs) if i was trying to like appeal to a record company it would be three and a half minutes and it would go right into the middle part you know the riff and it would go right back into the song without any jamming, but we're, that's what we sound like. And that's who we are. We didn't plan to put homemade tie shirt, even on the album. Uh, we were just fired up from playing and we we're like, let's do it. And then we 
had all sorts of crazy ideas for the middle to put in a drum solo, uh, drum drum circle, well, and drum solo, I guess, you know, and uh, and cut and paste. And we didn't give a flying crap or acknowledgement at all to how long it was. We were just going with the flow of how it sounded. We were listening to it and, okay, cool. Like, let's fade into like this drum solo thing here you know and uh and we were just jamming you know we we really weren't thinking if it was even going to wind up on the album or not we were just getting a good recording of us playing while the microphones were on and uh and so we kind of have this creed through the years um let them leave they don't understand you know and uh and we really kind of had to adhere to our creed on that recording because <laughs> if you're listening to it long enough where it's the last song on the record. Uh, if you're listening to the album long enough, you obviously like us, or you're looking for reasons why you hate us, and we, you might, haters gonna hate, so we might as well give them something to hate on, you know? Um, you know, so if you really like us, you're gonna, that's kind of part of what we're about, is like going for it and jamming and experimenting. And so if you dig us up to that point, you're probably gonna dig what we're doing in there. And if not, that's fine too. You could turn it off and you already heard everything else. So you kind of got the picture already too. I hope people do listen to it and it kind of like catches people off guard. Maybe they don't realize that it sinks into so much jamming by the end of the record that next thing they know, maybe there's so many switch ups in the song. You know, we like to not to be too on ourselves, like, but it's got like a hint of like a symphonicness. Like it's got like different types of like, again, I don't want to be too crazy. We didn't compose it like too heavy or anything but it's got like different sections or movements you know so it's not like it's 15 minutes of the same thing it's like five minutes of this five minutes of that five minutes of that uh i think that is up to 20 minutes you get what i'm saying it's sections so hopefully people are entertained by it and it keeps taking these weird turns and you're like whoa you know there's at least let me think there's the verse and chorus in the beginning the jam, the strange interlude jam, the drum solo, the recap in the end. There's like at, at least five distinct parts, different parts of it. So so hopefully people give it a chance because of that. Uh, and also, most of our friends uh, that like our music are into when, at least when we extended jam. We even have friends who like don't care about the Grateful Dead or Fish or anything like that at all. And they just like, you know more like Sonic Youth type experimental excursions. You know, Sonic Youth has like 10 minute long songs, you know, and yeah, 40 and, minute long songs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and you know, the Velvet Underground, they're not seen as a jam. Band well, like 23, all. 25 minute long. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, and dude, I've heard Velvet Underground recordings that are over a half hour long on the same song. Uh, and they're not at all by anyone considered a jam band, you know? And so we're just going for it. We're just getting lost yeah. in it. We're contacting that ancient spirit of rhythm itself at our and when we're at our peak of improvising it's when you don't have a song to have to hold on to you could fully and if you're musically you know inclined enough you know which if you're not you just tap on something and that does it too um you just go for it and you get lost in it you know you talk everybody talks about getting lost in the music and you know feeling the music freeing you and all that and it's that's a real thing you know and uh whether you're like a little drunk dancing to like a stupid song in a club or you're like knee deep in a heavily artistically in-depth 35 minute sound excursion, you know, like you're contacting that ancient thing that made people like play percussion together in the very first place thousands of years ago, somewhere in a cave, you know, and we're super moved by it. So, um, 
if we could give someone a glimpse into that world and maybe turn someone on to that kind of idea that music could be more than a three minute song. If you haven't been t- tuned on to that already in your own listening, you know, uh, which I hope most people should have heard a song that's over 10 minutes by now in their life if they're old enough to be clicking on this and, re- you know, hearing us talk about it, you know. So, uh, and if not, listen to Medicine Fish's song. Maybe it'll... <laughs> yeah, I think, of, I think of Sister Ray on... Uh, exactly. Like- yeah, man. Just like Sister Ray said. Just, yeah. just, just like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just the, like, there's no real changes to the, like, the song conceptual, not conceptual, like, musically. Like, there's some that organs song, yeah. that, that come in, but it's really just, like, a... Same two know, chords. That's like, it. Maybe three chords if you count that quick one in the middle. Yeah, it's really just two chords and barely any distinct solos. And it's very entertaining for 17 minutes, I yeah. think it's about. And, uh, you know, if you get lost in it, you know, if you let yourself be open to the idea of different you know of course the first time i heard it, i was like huh you know and i had to go back to it but granted i was like 16 and like my older cousin who is the age i am now told me about it you know and when i told him i wasn't sure if i liked it which i didn't say i disliked it i said i didn't get it uh and those are the things that end up becoming your favorite things uh you know and like the velvet underground's first record and all their music you know um it's the things that you listen to and you don't maybe like right away but you go, huh? Like, let me hear that again. Because, you know, and there's so many more layers to discover that, it, you know, there might be other things that are hooky and everyone digs it when it comes out. And it's not like maybe even you don't start to dislike it after a while, but, you know, then you're kind of past it after a minute, you know? There's only so many times you can listen to Kids by MGMT, you know? Like, that's a freaking great song. I love that song. But also, like, I've heard it so many times. It's like, whatever, you know? Um let it be same thing you know any any freaking song like that on the radio but you know if you listen to something that has all those layers it tends to age better and that's why the velvet underground's first album still blows people's mind when they hear it and like no pussy footing by like brian eno and robert fripp it's still so new like artists now hear about that and they turn new avenues in their own artistry and make up new stuff still from that same well from 40 and 50 years ago, you know? And so because they just, you know, we're going for it and they tapped into something that was timeless and the Beatles music, you know, it's not always weird shit that does it, you know, the Beatles tapped into that time Mozart. It's like, it always existed. It's rather than like the person composing or writing it. It's like they channeled it from the universe. It's like, and it, it feels like it's always been and our much smaller, humbler scale you know that's what i was saying when we play our music like those songs that have been around and it feels like we didn't write them it's like you know it really feels like we're just tapping into it you know like these are the the world or our community songs and you know i just happen to have my antenna tuned into that frequency at that point at that moment where i happen to be the one to write the words down you know and what do you, what do you think about stereo labs uh, jenny odeo line like that's that's like a that's an 18 minute song just slapped right into the middle of an album. The beginning of it. I love yeah. it. Well, you know, when I'm, when I'm listening to that kind of music, I'm looking for the long thing. You know, I'm looking to get lost in it. So even if it's just one lo- longer track or extension, I, I'm usually drawn to the longest song on the album, you know, me personally. And growing up and finding out not everybody <laughs> was like that, I was like, I, I'm still confused by that because it's just that... You know, 
just like you would want a whole burger rather than a bite of one. Like, it, you know, it's just good to have something to chew on, man. You know, like I like to get lost in a song and yeah, not every song, 10 minutes. Like I love two minute, three minute songs. There's something about crafting it, but you know, ha allowing your music to breathe that just the concept of allowing it to breathe, even if it's a two and a half minute song, having something, you know, ex some sort of melodic or instrumental excursion, you know, uh, somewhere on your record or listening experience uh, just makes it more interesting and more cool, you know, uh, something to get lost in. So not like you have that. You got, you got McDonald's. There's nothing wrong with having McDonald's and that home-cooked burger or that you know, <laughs> pop burger joint, you know. It, you need. It's good to have both. You need a little balance. That's you, all. You turned me on to one of my favorite burger joints, man, in Limbrook. Uh, not Smash Burger. Burger Shack. Oh, burger Shack. Yeah. Oh, heavens. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll end up. This interview will end up being about burgers if we keep talking about you. I told you how much I miss diner food. I know they're not a diner, but that counts, man. I miss them more than the diner. Yeah, it counts. Yeah, I love those guys. They're the nicest people in the world. Yeah, they're yeah, awesome. yeah. They're cool. They have cool pictures of like Legend of Zelda and Super Mario and shit all over the walls inside. Yeah, and, and like Andy Warhol. <laughs> so it's like all things they're I think are cool through my life. Yeah, they're like put your phone down and talk to each other. Pretend like it's the nineties. Yeah, have that thing. Yeah, yeah. Man. I feel it. I feel it. I love it. Yeah. I love that stuff. shit. I want that same oh. sign when people walk into my house. <laughs> when, when people are allowed to walk into my house again, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, some of your other fossils, uh, Closer Far. Uh, and you played this live for years, whenever you do a solo set, and then it found its way onto Astronauto 2. And, like, what was the reason, like, this song was kind of uh, delayed to be put on an official project? Were you... Were you just working on it and you just wanted to test it out live? So what's the story? Well, uh, that song and Just Like Me, like those two songs I wrote pretty close to each other and they're very like similar. There was this demo like EP that I put out that's not available anymore that most of the songs on it have become like either medicine. I think I have it somewhere. Yeah, you do probably. I think you do. Um, and uh, just like the Astronauto album, we recorded like the new songs and then he's like, and we had so much fun and we did it so quickly. It's like, well, do you have anything else? And uh, I showed them just like me. And uh, and we also recorded, I had the idea to record Luna, but I didn't know if it would be too hard. I had written that song a few years ago. And uh, so so we like just went into it just like, well, I, I wish I had some like nice versions of these songs. And I just never brought them into Medicine Fish because they never worked as like full band songs. You know, they just weren't. And, I, you know, I'm, we're not the Beatles. I'm not Paul McCartney. I'm not going to make them, like, leave the stage for me to play a song by myself. You know? <laughs> That's, like, ridiculous, you know? I want to play with my friends, you know? So, uh, um, so you know, I, I just use it for acoustic shows and stuff. And then uh, when we recorded uh, – so, so, like, Just Like Me was rebirthed like that. And, again, the same thing. Like, it, it wasn't as old as yet. It was still only, like, two or three years old at that point. And then Closer Far, like when we went to record Astronauta 2, it was the same thing, like, well, what songs do I already have that I can work into this concept? And not, like, falling back on old songs or padding them or anything, padding the album with, like, extra tracks or anything. It It's more, you know, I don't have any quality, like, record of these songs existing. Like, what other songs could we capture here that would not just be throwing... So I could name 20 songs of mine that aren't recorded that we could record, but what song would work and what song do I like and wish I had a recording of? And so, you know, Closer Far was just a, a good obvious example. <gasps> oh, excuse me. Um, and on the first record, on the Green Album, we wanted to record 
we recorded a song outside. Uh, we recorded a song, The Old Lion, at like this little park place right by uh, where Nick and Faith were living at the time. And, uh, and we just wanted to, then for that one, they had found like a mountain peak by them. And we wanted to record at the top of a mountain at midnight, you know? And so he was like, do you have any acoustic songs that we could record at the top of the mountain, you know, with the mobile recording device? So right away, I was like, yeah, close or far. I love playing that song alone because I could like self accompany myself on it and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, we, we, uh, we delivered your song, Chief. Yeah, we, we got that song. We got those, those crickets and shit. That's not some shit out the window. That's some real... We were actually on top of a mountain recording it. So, uh, so yeah, it served the function, and I wanted to have a better quality recording of it. So uh, Yeah, you know, speaking of crickets and stuff, like, as as we're recording right now, like, I still hear the sounds of the birds outside my window, and I, I like that. I heard that. I wasn't sure yeah. if that was you or... Because I'm sitting next to a window, but I'm in a basement, so I don't really hear... hear too many birds chirping or nothing. Yeah, I did a few podcasts in, in a park in Babylon. Some of the best shows I've ever done because of just the background ambiance. It's just... Ambiance, yeah. Man, it's I wanted to, I wanted to keep some, some instrumental music playing in the background, but I didn't want to fuck up your recording, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah, like I just probably throw me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some free jazz just wiling out in the background. <laughs> then it sounds like a cafe conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Actually, I would have put on some Vaporwave, man. I've been listening to a lot of Vaporwave. That's been like my quarantine soundtrack. You know Vaporwave, man? I, I know a little bit of it, but I don't... Um, there's only there's only a little bit of it, you know? It's all kind of the same. You like Witch and, House? What'd you say? Witch House? You know about Witch House? No, I don't know about Witch House. It's like, like a strange like, form of ambient music that has some like hip-hop in it, some trip-hop. Oh, cool. Music. Yeah, and, and the greater genre of like retro wave and like chill wave and chill hop yeah. and all that like instrumental kind of electronic music that's like floating on the internet like i've been putting that on a lot lately just it's good thinking music it's like brian you know had this great quote about ambient music uh he, he said uh it's music that uh doesn't demand attention but rewards it and i kind of like that idea and also that's i just amazing. I, I, yeah. yeah yeah and i've listened to you know the music i listened to for so long i just I find so it's just so unique and so weird, and it really does tickle that weird nostalgic part of your brain. It's such a mishmash of like shit from the '80s and '90s, where some of my age it like really hits the nostalgia buttons in a weird way, and it really is like the musical and visual. A lot of my videos, uh, the music and visual equivalent of like a sh hazy memory from the late '80s or early '90s, and it's like it's just freaky, and it just kind of fascinates me a little bit, and like. I definitely listen to it only when I'm alone because I've gone to show it to people and they like laugh at me and they don't think I'm serious. And like it like, yeah, part of it is that it's ridiculous sometimes. And it's not like some of it's like not that good. It's like any genre, you know, you listen to a hundred things, not all of them are going to be great, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been digging on a lot of vaporwave and then, which has turned me on to listening to like more eighties music than I used to. Uh, which is just, you know, you hear the compositional side of things. You, you put down – I've been saying lately to people, um, you know, if you love music, you got to just kind of at a certain point just, like, stop liking and disliking everything because otherwise you're going to run out of shit to listen to. There's only – like, if you like this kind of music, that punk or jam bands or – there's only, like, three or four bands of each – subgenre that have like really nailed it if not only one you know most subgenres are like one band sound like 
like exacerbated through other imitators. Oh you my know? God, that is right? so what is, true. What oh is God. what is all of grunge? What is all of shoegaze? What is all of you know Britpop? You know, uh, <laughs> you know what is it's, it's Stone Roses and Cocktoo Twins and My Bloody Valentine, Jesus and Mary Chain, all that shit just kind of just reverberated multiple times. Yeah, and, you know? and that's okay, too. We all, like, yeah, you know, yeah. if someone said I sounded like My Bloody Valentine, which I know none of my music really does, like, or, like, any cool band, like, if someone said I sounded like the Flaming Lips or anything in between that and the Rolling Stones or anything, I'd be like, oh, cool, thank you, you know? Um, you know, which, which you know, is, and that's, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, you could get when it's authentic, when it's just, like, when you happen to tap into that. It's the same thing when someone is like a good Beatles-ish songwriter. Like the guys from Oasis weren't trying. Well, maybe they were, but like they didn't like just nail the Beatles sound. They just happened to like write kind of similar sounding songs. Like for just the few that were like hits on the, you know, very different types of songwriters overall. But, you know, like had genuinely like kind of had that sound. So, yeah, you know, you get when it's authentic, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to talk about your other one of your other projects of 3BC with uh, no comment. This interview is over. Laptop closed. And, <laughs> what I like about this project is like it's the total opposite of Medicine Fish and Astronauto because this almost is like very improvisational. It's spur of the moment, not really planned. Like your stuff's not on streaming services. I'm pretty sure it's not even mixed and engineered. You just kind of just let it fly. And each song is like 30 minutes long. And it's like you don't give a shit. <laughs> and, um, you know, do you use this project? Well, one, just for fun and, and an excuse to hang out with Matt, which I miss. Great dude. Um, <laughs> you guys use it to kind of like just formulate ideas that you would apply to your, your other projects? First of all, it comes off that we don't give a shit. But the actual truth of it is we give so much a shit about it. We are so sincere to the music that we wouldn't dare put it in a cage of a song, man. And we just got to let it be its own half hour sound. Yeah. And this it's just pure sound expression. It is really, you know, we, we talk about it very in depth. Every time we, we fascinate ourselves with it. Uh, it's, it's a, the best inside joke ever. And it goes on so many levels where it is funny. haha, on a level, but on another level, it, you know, I was talking about that, shaking hands with the ancients concept of like tapping into that timeless, you know, sense of getting into the groove and the rhythm and just the power of music, you know, and we just 3BC is just the purest surrendering to that ever, you know, like we record it on like my phone and iPad. It's not to say it's not mixed and mastered. It's recorded very ridiculously. We literally just record it onto an iPad and a, and a phone and no recording equipment, no, no actual microphone used and then jimmy the hat takes it and he um and he he masters it and he cleans it up a bit so he does add a shine to it and there is a bit of work that goes into it on his end but not me and matt's end bro we just we literally we don't like we we play some like in between us and we press record and it's so cool we and we really buckle down when we do it you know we we set everything up it's as if we have a big idea for like an ambient recording thing that we're going to capture live. We get everything ready. We don't say a word of how we want the jam to go, what key it'll be in, what fast, slow, quiet, loud, nothing, how long it'll be. We'll just be like, okay, everything ready to go. All right. And we, we, we both beforehand, we choose what instrument we want to play. Now that we don't just keep it, my astronaut rig and him playing drums. Like 
sometimes he'll be playing keyboards and xylophone or weird percussion and I'll be playing guitar or keyboard, you know, or xylophone, you know? And so, um, we'll get everything set and then be like, okay, everything ready to go record and then just let our brains flow, you know? And one of us will start it off and it really is, um, an incredibly interesting, you know, thing. And, and at first we were really surprised that ever, anyone cared about it or listened to it because it was just so for our own amusement. Um, and, you know, I think it kind of tapped into something like if accidentally, if, if any, if not any other way, you know, uh, and, you know, we do put care into it and we, we really do set it aside. It's a thing in our schedule and we get together, you know, we live in different States and everything at this point, we pretty much have since we started doing it, I, I think maybe not the first one, but like all the other ones. Um, yeah. So we really dedicate ourselves to it and it's all about fun. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say how to like, we, we crack up, man. And you, you know, it's ridiculous, but in the best way, it, it, it is like a trip. It is really like a trip. We laugh, we laugh our asses off and then we get into a deep meditation on it which is the music playing. And then we have a deep conversation about it on how many levels. And we go back and forth from cracking up to having like these deep discussions about what music is and what art is and what is expression. And, you know, where's the line of sound and, and music. And, you know, we trip on it, man. We really have a lot of fun talking about it and a lot of fun making it. And uh, it's just pure sound expression, you know? So, uh, it, and I do fascinate it and I don't mean to sound like a pat myself on the back with it, but we are kind of excited. It is kind of something weird and unique. It's like this garage ambient, like experimental non-rock, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty fun to be a part of. And I, I feel, I feel privileged to, uh, to not just know the people in 3BC, but to be one of them. So, yeah. Yeah. And I look at it as like, kind of like what insane clown posse did. Because on the surface, it sounds like, oh, these guys are a bunch of jokes. They're a bunch of idiots. But when you really just, like, you know, dive into who they are, they're really fucking creative. You know what I mean? Like, the whole idea of what the Joker cards are, it's really creative stuff. I don't think they get a lot of credit for being very, you know, innovative in that in that sense. You know, bringing this dark carnival thing. It's like a pro wrestling storyline. It's incredible. You know, like, 3 yeah. is kind of the same way. Like, on the surface, like, these are a bunch of idiots just being stupid. But ah! they're just guys. They're just guys who are just doing it just because they love doing music. You know? That's oh, really yeah. what it, it's like. It's like the it's the non-music industry project. Oh, yeah. You know? Everything. It's going to 30 minutes long, you know? Yeah, everything it if is. If I bring that up. Again, yeah, it's, like, it's I, I know, pure. I know pro, yeah, like, I know program directors. If I bring 3BC to them, they'll tell me to get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I think it's great that you can't. Well, yeah, let them leave. They don't understand. Let them leave if they don't understand. You know who cares? And uh, you know exactly. It's if 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 music were a sculpture, three BC would just be a fucking pound of clay, man. It's just <laughs> it's the real thing. You know, it's just sound matter. You know, and uh, yeah, let them leave. They don't understand. It's and uh, it's it's the ultimate lesson to not judge a book by its cover because all the album covers are like funny parodies of like classic rock albums and we have the word bong inserted somewhere in the title yeah you know and it's like so ridiculous it's so like, funny you know and uh and if you actually click on it you know i was surprised the one time we did a 3bc show in my basement at the time uh the i was like See? what a cross-section of creative people it was all the best musicians there's this dude uh 
that I know who's like the most amazing classical guitar player I've like I've known at a like that wasn't a professor. And even then I've heard him do crazier shit than I heard the professors do. Um, and he was there digging it. And like every, every, like so many songwriter people and musician, a lot of musicians from the neighborhood, the guys from Dysfunctone, you know, and, and like, you know, I'm pretty sure your brother was there. One of them, at least, if not both of them. Were you there at that time when we did the concert in the basement? Was I? I don't know. It was an after party for, it was Rucksack and Medicine Fish. Oh, look at that. I got the poster from it. July 21st, 2018 is the day it was. Yeah. But anyway. I don't probably way past my bedtime. Yeah, it got late, bro. It got late. We started at like 1130. <laughs> yeah. The I other time we started yeah. Yeah. What did you say? Okay. Some of the the album titles for 3BC. So you have Unbonged New Milford, Baggers Bong Cat, Music from the Big Bong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Long Bong right. Silver, Plastic <laughs> Ono Bong. <laughs> yeah. These yep. are great. Uh, three Bongs. It's on Bong Street. <laughs> I'm sure the Rolling Stones will send you a yeah the Rolling Stones are gonna send you an invoice sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these bands will. No, it's yeah, all right. Nirvana will. Dave Grohl yeah. will send you an invoice. Like, who are these Bong guys? And yeah. then you'll tour together. Watch. Yep, uh, hopefully that's what. And you know, and if we get sued, that would be fucking awesome. Can you imagine if Dave Grohl sued 3BC? Like, we would never be able to stimulate that kind of publicity. No, fuck that. He'll, no, he'll sign you guys. He'll sign you the Roswell work. Oh, my God. Good. I hope he does. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about, like, like the opposite. The opposite of 3BC, like, as far as, like, character-wise, is Astronauto. Because I feel like, just on the surface, like, Astronauto is a, is, a, is a spaceman who just thinks about every little thing that he does, and it kind of comes out that way. You know, he's, he's a scientist, oh. so to speak. Like, the three, three BC guys are just dudes hanging out in a basement, and they, they just end up making these, you know, these grandiose projects. But Astronauto is a guy who just thinks everything out. Now, with Astronauto, is there, is there, was there a plan? Is there, like, okay, we're going to do this? You know, you know, Midnight in Limbrook, what was it? Limbrook Moonlight? We're going to plan this out. This is how it's going to go. Um, you know, it's, it really couldn't be more of a mix of both, man. You know, it's like, I get painfully exacting on a lot of it of like how the part should go and stuff. But then there's like also this fuck it and go type mentality of how we pull it off. Like most things on the medicine fish album and, and the astronaut was most things are one or two takes. I'd say most things are two takes just because we'll do two just to be sure. Uh, you know, there's definitely things that are three and more takes, you know, but most things are either off the cuff or one or two takes, you know? So, uh, you know, we, we construct them very carefully, but that's not to say it's all pre-planned, you know, not all those who wander are lost kind of defined, you know, we have it open to breathe where we, I have really exact ideas, like a song, like look at me tomorrow off the first record, or, um, how can we know off the second record? Um, those songs, I knew exactly how I wanted them to sound, you know, and like got them as best as I could, like compositionally. And a lot of them are also great. Well, we're having fun. We just finished your ideas. What else do we have? Or Nick will, uh, you know, I would very be willing to like go with the flow if Nick had an idea of something, you know, in all, you know, medicine, fish and astronaut sessions. Um, so, so there is a bit of both, you know, we're astronaut. We're just overall very careful with piecing it together 
you know, and uh, and if if something is off the cuff, it gets molded into a vision. Like we run with the idea, like we should do this, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, and this, and this, and this, and then my brain's on fire, and that's how I like to put it. And um, and that's why me and Nick get along so well creatively because he's like the first person who I worked with, like recording wise and stuff or any real collaboration with who is like outside of just songwriting playing in a band was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. He would push the weird, push the creative instead of being like, that's ridiculous. Like stick to the plan, like get a good take of it. No, that the solo's too long, you know, like Nick would be like, cool, you know, and, and we would do it. Like, let's record some crickets outside. All right. You know, um, I want to bang this, paint canvas inside the bass drum and that'll be the percussion on this track okay cool you know let's do it and so so it, it's really a mix of spontaneity and idea and there will be literally half the songs are the spontaneous and half the songs i have so painstaking like i put myself into an anxiety disorder worrying about remembering every little detail until i get it recorded you know i'm not going to take the time to write it write it out in music you know i can if i wanted to but I don't, you know, I just more play it over and over again to make sure I don't forget it, you know? So, uh, so yeah, it's a mix of both. We're just very meticulous in, even when it's spontaneous though, with Astronauto. So what, what would Astronauto sound like in the 2020s? Cause you know, the 2010s, you had Astronauto one, two, three, you know, yeah, what, man. what are your, what are your plans for Astronauto going forward now? Well, who, what are some new ideas? Who knows what astronaut will sound like in yeah. the 2020s? I don't know. I don't know if, you know, I, I was thinking not to be dark or too dramatic, but I'm like, maybe I won't do astronaut anymore. Not to say never again, but like maybe it's meant to just be a trilogy and that's it. Maybe there's meant to be a long time up until the next record. Maybe I'm going to get on a songwriting streak in the next couple of months and it'll be out next January. Like we always release them in January. So, uh, um, you know, I really, really don't know. And that's why I'm not even saying like that I'm not going to do it anymore because then after a little while I miss it and I want to do it again. But even just over this past summer to the fall, there was six months between astronautical concerts, which was weird because I used to do, you know, 80 something shows a year for those two years and still 40 or 50 the years before and after that. Um, so like, you know, I I'm just, I'm not tired of playing like that because I get into that heaven when I play. I achieve that, you know, the whole tapping in with the ancients thing. When I'm by myself, when I do the astronaut thing, I feel myself enveloped in this bubble of sound and expression, and it feels really beautiful. The reality of carrying all that shit, maintaining all that shit, practicing as much as I need to practice, it's insanely hard to do that stuff. And at this point, I'm not like exaggerating that I really do feel like I have more anxiety because I have done it rather than if I hadn't. And it's just, I'm not saying that it's unsuccessful. I'm super thankful for the people who have like noticed it, enjoyed it, li listened to it, talked about it, com come to the shows, you know, so cool that anybody's taking the time to appreciate it, you know? Um, and not to be pessimistic, but it's just really hard to do that amount of work for that little of it's usually barely ever getting paid you know and you know the it's very ra very rarely ideal performing circumstances so i'm gonna just go with the flow i'm not gonna say no to people if like someone really wants me to do it or if i feel like doing it i was supposed to have a show at the end of may um an astronaut show but uh 
yeah, yeah. So I really don't know. You know, I wrote one song that I don't want to be a Medicine Fish song. Like there will be other recording things, if not Astronauto. I'm going to still do my own thing. And it will probably just be called Astronauto just because it will be easier than making another Facebook page, you know. Um, yeah, like I wrote one song and it's it's like flowy and stuff. Uh, I wrote another song. It's, you know, same kind of compositionally meets folkiness, meets experimentalness. But I don't know, you know, I, I, I never really like to think about it anyway. It just comes out how it comes out. So, uh, so yeah, I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to wait for it to come out and see if and when it comes out, you know. <laughs> but right yeah, now, I mean, you know, what were you going to say? No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, but for right now, it, it it has felt nice to switch back to Medicine Fish, you know, and, and play with, you know, not like I ever stopped playing with them, but to focus on recording with them. You know, I it gets lonely. I'm, I'm proud of myself that I was able to do all that shit by myself, and it's cool to say I played every instrument on this album and all that. Um, but, you know, man, I, I signed up to play in, in a rock and roll band, you know, and that's really what it's about, like, at the end of the day for me is – and, and just it's so much fun to be part of a project with the guys and stuff. So I haven't really been thinking about a, uh, an astronauto thing or, or my own thing. I've been thinking about uh, just doing stuff with the band and hearing what they have to say and collaborating more, like writing songs together and stuff and bringing more songs. My, like the second song I'm in the middle of writing right now, I think might be like a Medicine Fishy kind of song. I'm not sure. Um <coughs> So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to collaborating, you know, and I and maybe even more than just with Medicine Fish, just with people, you know. I just I want to play more three BC. I want to I want to do stuff with people, I, you know. Especially after being locked up for so long these last few weeks, I I really like playing with people, and I like giving what I can to an idea, you know. So I'm just kind of going to be going with the flow and just putting myself out there, you know, to just make music you know and if it gets recorded that would be cool because i always love to do that you know so do you ever feel like you are spreading yourself too thin yeah you know um i do and i don't you know i i feel like that physically and emotionally like i do spread myself too thin like it's not a if i do or don't like and i've been learning to identify to like not overload myself like that's why i end up having freaking panic attacks or bugging out or being upset, you know, is I, I get too freaked out. Like I'll want to play three shows with three different bands, three days in a row on a weekend. But then the week of it's like, Holy shit. I'm also working full time and I'm a dad and like, you know, <coughs> and it's not like just three shows where you can play the same songs or similar songs or songs that, you know, you know, it's like three different, I'm playing guitar one night, bass the next night and then everything in astronaut the next night. And uh, I do spread myself too thin, um, though creatively, you know, again, if, if I didn't have to work outside of creating, I don't think I would be spreading myself too thin at all. I think I really not. I think I know this is what I was born and meant to do. And uh, so in that aspect, I feel like I should be playing as much as I can, especially if there's a chance of me playing as much as possible, can get the word out more and maybe help you know, make some money from some of the gigs where I could support myself more from just doing it rather than doing it on the side and then working, you know, although I work less and less because A, I charge more through my lessons and B, I give so much less a crap about money as I get older that uh, I just don't worry about it any as much as more than I have to to survive, you know, 
so I, I only work as much as I have to. And like, uh, so yeah, I spread myself too thin, but also in a perfect world, I, I would be able to keep up with that workload and I want to do that amount. And I feel like it's my artistic duty to do that. If I'm able to, and someone needs a bass player and the guys want to play and someone asked me to do astronauto and it would make even one person per gig's day brighter for me to agree to all that. I think I should be spreading myself that thin. So, so uh, spiritually, no, but emotionally and physically, yes. <laughs> what, are, what are some things that you want to accomplish with any of your music endeavors that you feel like you haven't done yet? You know, uh, any type of recognition would be nice. Just, um, if be, not, not even because like, I feel like I deserve it or anything just because that leads to more work. You know, if, if more people know about a record that you made, you're going to have more stuff involved off of that record, whether it's playing gigs or recording with someone or doing something with someone like project wise. Um, so, you know, I, I would really love to see the word get out and not for any self reasons uh, at all, just because I feel like I and we um, as in medicine vision and all the people I collaborate with have so much to offer. And I hear all the stuff that's the hot stuff and what's happening on the radio and stuff. And even in the indie rock scene and everything, you know, Mac DeMarco is good, but like, I feel like a handful of my friends are more talented than that guy and make more interesting music, you know, and, or like music like that, that's at least as good, you know? And, uh, and I just, you know, we were talking about the pace I keep spreading myself thin. Like, if I were making money off of it, if it had any amount of, and I'm not even talking about like, you know, big time success, like anything in like being mentioned in any sort of article or anything, just getting paid gigs in town, you know, like if we had just a little bit of that, um, I would, I would totally be able to keep up with playing five nights a week. And I would totally want to be playing five nights a week, especially now that I don't live with my daughter. I want to be doing as much stuff as I possibly can when I'm not with her creatively and artistically. I want to, just like I always wanted to do since I was a little kid drawing, I want to fall off the face of the earth with my creativity and my drawings and art and music. And, you know, I just, I want to dive into it. So, um, so that's one thing I would like to see is just the art and music be able to sustain itself more. I don't even want to put it as in more recognition, like I said before, like rather I would just like to see it, you know, be able to sustain itself. You know, enough people tell me that they think it's good enough and that they think it is like really quality music and stuff. And people like you ask me to do things like an interview once in a while. So I'm hoping it it deserves that, you know, and not just me. You know, I'm talking about Nick and, you know, Julian, Ryan and Jimmy and Claire and Matt and everybody that I know, you know, forgive me, your brother, you know, and the guys in Dysfunctone, every, you know, all the dudes I play with, all the, you know. Scooter? Scooter's the man. You know Scooter from Big Shrimp? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, he's a good dude. But anyway, um, yeah, you know, so so that's one thing I'd like to see is is the word get out. Especially you if know, people I are going to be more inspired. I, I think as years, like, you know, as time goes on, I think more and more people probably going to know about what you do because of all the stuff that you do. You know, oh, I think I so. no one knows the secret of how to get fame, quote unquote, famous. It's not like you want to be famous. I'm not saying that at all. I know you don't yeah, want to be famous, you know. but, yeah. you know, you know, artists who get, you know, who people book or whatever they make, they do stuff because there's a lot of people that just aren't doing 
anything, but they they complain that, oh, Long Island is this and whatever. I don't get booked and, you know, people don't want whatever. It's like you have to do stuff, you know, put stuff out there. You know, if the last thing you put on Facebook was three years ago and the last thing you put on Bandcamp was you have one demo on SoundCloud, you weren't going to get shit. You do a lot of stuff. I think the more mm-hmm. consistent you are with your stuff, you're going to get booked somewhere. Someone else is going to interview more famous than I am. It's going to happen. Just <laughs> people like real recognizes real, you know, t- people recognize ability and talent and consistency and creativity. You just have to do it. That's all. Yeah. So I'm doing it and I've surrendered to that. It's, you know, I don't worry about it. You know, I, I used to get disappointed and frustrated and be like, what the fuck's the point? There's only the same 10 people here. And, uh, you know, but I, I do it. You know, I say to myself, well, what do I do on my nights off? I sit there and I play guitar. So I don't care anymore at all if people come. Obviously, it's very nice when people do come because there's more energy in the room. The more energy, the more exciting it's going to be, the better it's going to be. Not necessarily meaning you need people there because we also make some of our best music when it's just us and Robbie and some of you guys hanging out at the barn, you know? Like, equally, we also make our best music sometimes when we're in front of 100 people, you know, uh, or more. I don't think we've ever been in front of more than 100 people. Maybe that one gig at Brickhouse. Uh, yeah, so, so you know, it's, uh, it, you know, thanks, man. I, I hope I hope it does, you know, uh, get out there and stuff. And, and we're just doing what we're doing. And so, you know, we're doing it for also for ourselves. And, you know, we, we just enjoy playing it, you know. And, and, and also as we get older now, we realize, um, you know, we have less and less time due to the lack of any real success. Uh you know, we, it's more of an effort. I don't want to say we have less and less time because we still practice every week outside of this quarantine. Um, it just, it becomes more and more of a commitment as you get older, you have to work harder at making the space for the band and some, some stuff like that. And so we appreciate it that much more. And so maybe we don't care anymore if people show up or not, or if we're playing at a nice place, that was a big gig that was hard to get, or we're playing at Patty's. We'd rather play at Patty's and, uh, cool if people show up, but really, it's an excuse for all of us to get together on a Friday or a Saturday night and, and jam twice that week, you know, than just getting together once at the barn, you know? So at the worst, it's still, it's always going to be a part of who we are. So I've surrendered to being upset and getting mad when the guys aren't able to commit as much as I am because they live in the real world and I've gone off the deep end, you know, I can't expect them to follow me or, or, or nor do I want them to follow me. I wouldn't wish this freaking ridiculous cocktail of a life on anybody you know so you know um you know it's it's more just you accept and celebrate what you can you know so so yeah it's we're gonna keep we're not ever gonna stop doing it even i've tried to stop i've wanted to stop part of me still does want to stop but i know i never will and i never can so you know so yeah well hopefully someone will catch on yeah, just make sure, like, look, Fiona Apple just put out her first album in eight oh, yeah. years. I, like, just saw that, like, right before I uh, hit you up. Yeah, cool. And it's 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 incredible. It's an incredible oh, album. Cool. You know, because she, she lit in her house. I think she has a studio in her house. So Dope. she, like, you know, disconnected with the entire world. You know, that's what it looks like. And just created, just made art. That cool. was it. You know, because yeah, that's what you're kind of doing, and you know everyone's raving about about it because it's actually really fucking good. If it's good, people are going to care about it and talk about it. Oh, cool! That's cool. all. Awesome. Well, we're right, fighting on the Mr. front line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks again, John. Another great conversation. Where can people follow you? 
and listen to all your stuff from Medicine Fish, Astronaut, 3BC, whatever else you got going on. Well, we're on Facebook and Instagram and, and all that, of course. Um, uh, you can check us out at, Band, you know, Bandcamp is the main thing where you should buy and listen to the music from, I guess. Uh, be astronauto.bandcamp.com or medicinefish.bandcamp.com. And, you know, you search us on Facebook and Google us and Instagram us. We, we come up. We're Astronauto Music and Medicine Fish on Instagram and Astronauto Band and Medicine Fish on Facebook. Uh, yeah, and we're on YouTube and, you know, Amazon and what's the other thing people use? iTunes and the other thing. Spotify. Yeah, follow us on Spotify. We get like a penny every time you hear a song of ours on Spotify. <laughs> so dig that. <laughs> All right, John. I'll see you. All right, good talking to you, Pete. Thanks for calling, man. <laughs> yeah, anytime, man. <laughs>